message. On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. It certainly is time for Monday's Experts. Luke Marlowe with you on Sky Sports Radio. It is five minutes past 11, and today we're flipping the roles because the interviewer today becomes the interviewee. Dave Stanley is the host of Racing HQ on Sky Sports Radio between 9 and 1, Monday to Friday. He's a boy from Brisbane, but somehow supports New South Wales and the Dragons in the Rugby League. Dave has been with Sky Racing and Sky Sports Radio since 2014. He's always done his job with passion, enthusiasm, and most importantly, a sense of humour. He joins me on the line now for today's Monday's Experts. Hello, Dave. Hello, Luke. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. Uh, How's the holiday, firstly? Because we know you're up there in Queensland at the moment, and I'm sure the sun is shining. It's good, mate. No, it's good. Um, Really good to see uh, the the folks, the oldies. Uh, Good to see mum. Haven't seen her for, oh, since the start of last uh, last year. So, no, it's uh, it's good. Um, Nice to recharge the batteries. I'll tell you what, I'm a bit nervous about this today, mate. I was all (laughs) good, and I hear that intro and everything, and, uh, yeah, I don't usually... look. I might, might seem like I love talking about myself, but I don't really talk about sort of um, where we've come from and what we've done. I don't know why, but anyway, fire away, mate. Well, mate, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you, the nerves are warranted because I know a bit about you since we've been uh, friends, since you, you moved to, to Sydney in 2014, and we're going to talk about that and more. But firstly, we're going to go back to the start. And uh, you moved to Sydney in 2014, but before that, you were from Brisbane. Tell us about life growing up for Dave Stanley. Life growing up for Dave Stanley, mate. I uh, grew up in a place called Birkdale, uh, which is in the suburbs of Brisbane. Uh, only child, no brothers and sisters. And uh, yeah, had a pretty basic sort of uh, childhood. Um, loved sport, uh, loved. For some reason, I don't know why, because there's no media in the family, but just from a young age, I remember just gravitating towards commentators and, and, and Bruce McAvaney and hearing like Ray Warren. I remember like really early doors, I asked mum for like a microphone for Christmas and and this sort of um, tape cassette record player and I'd sit in front of, you know, the rugby league when the Dragons were playing and I'd, I'd pretend to commentate the game and I'd listen back to it like, you know, all weirdo only children do that you know I, I didn't have I didn't have an imaginary friend I just had this microphone and that's what I used to do and racing was in the family in terms of you know my grandfather was obviously the main key there but my uncle sort of had horses country horses up around Bundaberg and and Rockhampton so there was always you know a race meeting to go to or spoken about um but it really intensified probably when I was where when I was 12, my old man did the Harold Holt. He did the bolt on, on mum and I and and sort of my way of dealing with that because it was pretty brutal at the time and mm. like I was shattered, you know, your old man leaves and runs off another woman. Uh, my way of dealing with that, instead of getting, you know, I guess filthy on the world, I just latched on to granddad. And, um, you know, he at the time was, you know, you're, you're probably a quintessential granddad. It, you know, every Saturday you had to have uh, the radio on, Scratching, you couldn't uh, you couldn't speak while that was on. It was just racing every day. Um, I remember the grandparents; they you know were they got Foxtel put on sort of you know when when Foxtel first came out. So you know, seeing Sky Racing happen all the time. So I just became sort of 
um, mesmerised by his love of racing and, and sort of, you know, just hung on every word that he spoke about with it and then obviously wanted to learn as much as I could about uh, the sport to impress him and have conversations with him and that's sort of where it all it's sort of where it all started, mate. Well, mate, your grandfather's uh, since passed. His name was Merv, and he was a very special person in your life, wasn't he? Because when you're a young man, uh, you need that father figure in your life, um, and you mentioned that your dad wasn't around. So it was Merv who guided you and, I guess, rubbed off on you in those early days. Yeah. he, um, Mate, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for Merv, I believe. Um, and also, too, I've got to you know, give credit to you know mum and others around me, but he, you know, yeah, I, I can't. Words can't describe the the love that I had for him, and 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 just sort of learning all those life skills about life. That's sometimes why people say, I know Mum says, you know, you you're sometimes a year old in a uh, a young man's body, like because uh, all those sort of life lessons, whether it be you know um, learning about racing or just learning about how to be as a person in society all came through from him some lessons he taught me probably wouldn't be uh wouldn't be, were, wouldn't be very pc today um <laughs> but but you know i i it's who i am and i can't um i can't think of enough the the main thing with him as well though was mate just the the, the stories um mm. and, and putting me in situations where you know i had to speak to people where what i mean by that is you know, we would go uh, to to pubs and clubs, you know, with him, or I'd go to the track. And something about uh, the older generation, and I know you're a bit like this too, mate. Which is, you know, probably why we're really good mates. Is that they they weren't afraid to talk to people. Mm. So we would go to the racetrack, and he would start talking to people that he didn't even know, and he would, you know, have these long conversations with them. Um, and that sort of rubbed off on me. And they were, you know, I really enjoyed doing that. Like I'll, I'll meet someone at a pub if, if we go on a road trip together, you and I, and, and we'll just talk. And I find that there's a couple of, you know, people that are maybe in the same generation as us who don't. They're a bit more sheltered. Like, you know, people don't walk down the street anymore and say, g'day, mate, or good morning to each other. But I think that's something that has happened back in the day. And it's something that um, I'm really big on. And that's something that he always do. He always said, speak up and talk to everyone because you never know what their story might be. And it's important, and I think it's missing a little bit in society these days. In a world of social media, we have become a little bit separated from that human contact in a way. Um, you do see it. Uh, it's like when you're a teenager, the, the blokes are sitting on one side yeah. of the room and the girls are the other side. No one knows how to, to bridge that gap. So <laughs> you're, you're growing up, you're in Birkdale, uh, you're probably hanging out with Merv most Saturdays at the races. What yeah. important lessons was he uh-huh. teaching you in those days? And more importantly, he was teaching you how to punt. Yeah, he teached me how to punt. Merv was, uh, Merv was that old school person where he had a what they call a sock. <laughs> he had a sock, and the sock was full of cash. And I'm fairly sure Grandma... Did you know knew. where the sock was? Were you, well, were you putting I, the mitts well, in there? I, I did, but he'd moved the sock around. He, knew <laughs> that, uh, you know. he was on but, too. I don't know if Grandma knew where the sock was. She knew the sock existed. Um, but he would be the type of bloke that he would take all that cash. And I don't know how much it was. Let's say let's say it was a couple of grand, which was big. You know, I thought was big at the time and, and is big for anyone to take the races. And, mate, sometimes he would sit there and he would not have a bet. He would like a particular horse. He'd tell the whole tab. Or the the Capella Greyhounds used to go. He'd tell the whole joint, "Yep, I really think this horse will win today." 
uh, and he wouldn't have the bet, and I never understood why, and he'd take it home, and I sort of asked him, and, and he was really big on price. He would only take uh, certain prices on certain horses if he didn't get the price he wanted, whereas here I was with me 20 bucks going and having a dollar on every race, like I do today in some situations, but he was really big on, on, on backing horses, as I said, with price. Uh, he loved horses third up, up in trip. That was his, that was his go. I mean, if he... If he'd followed a horse that was first up, um, second up, and then that third up, bang, you know. And there was something about those third up into mile runs he just loved, and he'd have little fill-ups on. And he loved backing as well horses from uh, outside of Brisbane that would come to town. So not so much interstate horses, but he would he was a real big rap on some of those horses that would come from Rocky, those class six horses that would come down and, you know, get mm. get into these races down here, these opens or welters down here quite well and yeah, he did good odds and he um he tried to teach me patience, but as you know I'm an excitable bloke. You are. Um and I just love it. I love it. I love the <laughs> theatre of the punt. I love the fact that, you know, it's not a computer giving you free spins that you've got no control over. I love the fact that you can sit and read and analyse and um and there's so many variables, and yeah, he. Um, if I had his patience, I'd be flying, mate. But um, I don't have his patience. But he did teach me everything else. That being said, um, him being such a wonderful mentor uh, and and person in your life, how difficult has, was it for you uh, when he passed? Uh, yeah, mate, you're not going to make me cry. You're feeling, <laughs> um, yeah, mate. No, look, um. You know, the worst thing, um, Marlo, the worst thing, mate, is that he um, he didn't get to meet like you or um, he won't, you know, like he won't be there for my wedding. Um, mm. Yeah, move on, mate. I'll move on. And, mate, do you know what? It's, it, it doesn't, it does, time makes it uh, a little bit better, but... He'd be so proud of you what you've done because those lessons that he taught you in the early stages, um, it was a natural thing for you. How you're a people person, you like the conversation, and 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 that's something he'd be very proud of that you've been able to make a career out of that. Let's talk about the career and your journey to Sydney because it was 2014 when Sky Racing ran the Star Search, and yep. your journey was an interesting one because you're off the bench. Yeah, I didn't even win it. So, um, mate, so I was punching around in uh, in Brisbane. I uh, I'd had many jobs. I worked at pubs. I've worked uh, as a you know glassy. My first ever job was at Dick Smith Electronics on a Thursday night at Capella Bar. I've done labouring. Um, while I was doing all these jobs, I just was. Sort I can't of, you know, imagine you. Sorry to jump yeah, in, but the labouring. Oh, um, I just yeah, can't well, quite I, picture it. Geez, <laughs> I, I was crook some morning from the labouring. I'll give you the tip. But, um, <laughs> But, you know, like I, I um, man, I'd had all these sort of odd jobs and, and everything. And then on, on a weekend, I'd do community radio. And there was a local radio station near where I live called Bay FM. And I'd potted down there on a Saturday morning uh, before I'd go to the races with, with Merv, with Grandad. And I'd do like a little sports show and muck around and just always had this dream. Kind of like the musician who, you know, is, is busking in the street or whatever. And to be honest, as life sort of was rolling on, I thought, well, this will never happen. Because you'd talk to people and say, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, mate, I'd love to work at, at Sky Racing and be a presenter or I'd love to be a rugby league commentator. And they sort of look at you and go, oh, well, good luck with that. And um, I remember at the time, 
I'd started just working for a, a craft brewing company up in Brisbane. I was 24. Like, life was good. I was getting all the free product. was the king of all the mates because on a Friday you'd love with all the free product and uh, they'd be going, how good this? <laughs> and and part of that job too was going around to different pubs and clubs and talking to publicans and, and again, sort of in a weird way, using those skills that I'd learnt through granddad and mum and whoever, you know, talking to people because I was only young and I was dealing with all these, you know, sort of older blokes. And then there was an, uh, an ad that came up on Sky about a star search. And it was send a video in, a 60-second video in of why you should work at Sky Racing. And I'll be brutally honest with you, mate, I wasn't going to send the video because I thought it would be half be a rort. And what I mean by that is I thought, well, as if they're going to pick just someone off the street to come and work at Sky, you know, it's probably already, you know, a person that's been picked. You know, I've got no chance because you, you sort of don't see any end of the, the any any end of the tunnel so to speak you just sort of think oh well I'll never do that I'd love to do it but oh well and why was that was it because you mentioned you had the microphone and you were caught recording your tape so obviously a microphone is something that that didn't scare you and doesn't scare some people but did you just think that it was too good to be true that that you could get that opportunity or yeah. why was it that you were uh, a little bit unsure Oh, pretty much. I just thought that it just wouldn't happen. And I thought, well, why would I, you know, go through all this effort to send a video and as if I'm going to get a job? And then one of my mates, Adam, who was pretty sort of nifty with the uh, with the camera and the video, he sort of said, uh, mate, look, let's make this video and send it. You never know. And so I sent it away um, as to why I worked at Sky. And the video that I did was basically 60 seconds of me doing jobs around the house. So, like, I was shaving, ironing, vacuuming. I was at the grocery store, and as I was doing all these things, I pretended I was hosting Sky One. So I'd be like, you know, I was—I remember I was shaving, going, you know, the next at Randwick is three minutes away, the favourite, blah, blah, blah. And um, I then got a call from Sky saying, oh, I was in this top ten, and would I come to Sydney for a look around? And I, I remember I told my boss at the time, because I just sort of started at the, the, the brewery, the brewery, and... Um, I said, look, can I go to Sydney? I'd only ever been to Sydney once before that, mind you. And uh, the boss said, yeah, mate, yeah, go. Uh, fully aware of what I was doing. And, and also in that same frame of mind thinking, well, as if anything's going to happen, yeah, it could take you two days. And I remember I went to Sky and, and sort of met all these people and there were the other contestants there as well. And uh, they threw us in this sort of um, studio upstairs and they said, uh, you know, would you pretend you're hosting on Sky One? And, it was all sort of, you know, just off the cuff, and I thought I did pretty bad, and there was a bit of a meeting afterwards, not like anything about a job, but just they sort of were sussing you out, and then I was, before you know it, back on the, the plane back to Brisbane, and and again, at the time, I thought, oh, well, I've just um, done something I can put in the, the book to say that I've done, and nothing will come of it, and then I, um, I'll never forget, mate, it was, uh, oh, it was December 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, December 2013, and I, uh, it was a Friday, and I was driving actually to Grandma and Granddad, because on a Friday, and I'm sure I can say this, the brewer won't mind, on a Friday, I used to um, go and see the bloke at the warehouse, and I'd get the samples for the weekend that I had to drop at the um, at the uh, the pub, and <laughs> the bloke the bloke at the warehouse was a mad punter, and I used to sort of tip him into one, and I because I loved following Nash back then when he was riding for Gay as a full-time jockey. So I'd do a bit of form and I'd say, mate, I think this will be winning, blah, 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 blah. And um, he'd always give me a couple of extra cartons and I'd always <laughs> drop a carton off at Merv and Marion. Marion was my grandmother. 
And you've always been good at getting free stuff and finding an edge. (laughs) (laughs) So I used to call in there on on my travels early morning and I'd drop the carton off. Mind you, there was never a thank, mate. It was just like a, you know, a bit of a, yeah, yeah, or I didn't get the right one or whatever. And, um, yeah, I got this call, Mark Duclos. He rang me. He said, mate, um, I've got a job here for you. Um, You're not going to be on television or radio. You're just going to be starting off as a producer. Um, would you like to come? And he sent me through, you know, what it was and everything. And I sort of said to mum, I said, what do I do here? Like, And uh, to mum's credit, she said, uh, Dave, get in the car and go. You can always come back here. There's always going to be a house and a room and family. So, mate, I packed up the car and uh, and drove to Sydney. And I had to, because I didn't have any family down there, I had to get on the internet and find a joint uh, <laughs> on that flatmates.com.au. So I went from living with my best mates, because I moved out of home and just moved in with mates I went to school with, to renting a joint in Neutral Bay with this French bird, a German, and a Russian bloke, and no (laughs) one spoke English. (laughs) And the joint was pocked. It was horrific. You're kidding. And uh, it was a real sort of... uh, Yeah, I had to to grow up real quick, because I went from, you know, going... So I went to the yeah. track with you know with with, with Grandad and did me uh, backside. You know, you always knew that there'd be food at home with Mum, or you could potter around. You know, you you had that sort of bubble around you. I had to sort of grow up real quick, real quick, and um, that's how it started at Sky. But mate, I didn't get on TV for oh, I don't think Duke and they put me on for like six, seven months. And then when my first shift, I think it was with Jason Witham, and I was doing like um, some dog uh, dog uh, meeting somewhere overseas and. Yeah, it was a real sort of baptism of fire. And just getting back to the, you know, doing the, the cash on the punt and there's food on the table at home, well, you found a way around that when you went to Sydney because um, you go into Woolies a little bit later on in, uh, in the evening, and sorry to give you up here, mate, but you uh, you worked out that they'd marked down the, the food and you could you could get it cheaper a bit later. Mate, 8.55 every night, you'd go up to the deli. Gee, you'd be starving you'd hover, by that time. I'd be hovering around the, the fruit section and then I'd see the... I'd see the lady or the bloke appear from the deli with the the reduced uh, the reduced sticker, yeah. And they'd be uh, mate, I, mate. I was eating hot chooks for three dollars forty, like it was nineteen sixty three prices. It was outstanding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's, there's but there's all. I think any punter's had those sort of tough times, Definitely. you know. Where you, it makes you it makes you realise and appreciate um, the good days, the good wins, eh? Doesn't it? It certainly does. Um, so you've moved in with the the, the German, the Frenchman, and <laughs> and Russian. I think it was, and, and you're living Mate. there. And yep. in that time, you, you're getting your foot in the door at Sky. So you, you're six months in. You've been you've been put on. You, you've done Sky too. Tell us about the journey leading up to you becoming a regular of a Saturday with uh, Tony Brassel and Andrew Martin. Mate, it was it was kind of weird because I just sort of kept doing heaps of shifts. So I do Sky too. And at the time, they they sort of said, right, oh well, you're going to do every Saturday night from 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. on Sky Two, and I sort of again just said, yeah, beautiful, way we go. And um, you know, I was talking about French chops and places I'd never even been in my life, still haven't been to, and I just went to the old state school, so these French names, I didn't do a language at school. I was uh, ballsing them up, and I still am. I still even balls up normal <laughs> English when I talk on HQ. Actually, but, um, yeah, I started doing that, and then that progressed into, I think, a few Sky One night shifts. And then, mate, I can't actually really pinpoint it, but all of a sudden I sort of started doing the odds 
with Marto and Brass, and they sort of were pushing me down that path. And mate, to work with Marto and Brass, I mean, um, two oh. of the great people. It's, it's it's you know, it's obviously really sad that Brass is leaving leaving Sky, but he's he's going off to a great job at News Limited. Um, and to work with Marto, I mean, I learned so much from Marto as a, a bloke with with me, as in no broadcasting experience, mm. but you know, a bit of community radio. He was just um, instrumental in sort of giving me confidence, techniques, um, helping me out, um, which was really, really good, mate. He could have easily gone, oh, well, do your best, son. Um, But he didn't because he knew, and that's something that I've I've brought through, he knew that if he helped me and made me better, it would actually make him better as well and will make him even look better on on what he does. And that's something that he really sort of instilled in me and, and I, you know, really want to do if I ever have people on the show, you know, because if, if as I said, if you make the, the people around you better, um, you'll inevitably be better yourself and it'll sound better. So um, he's a gem, Marto. He's an absolute gem, mate. He really is, Dave. And it would have been a surreal thing for you too because I'm sure you watched um, Saturday Racing regularly and yeah. watched uh, Sky Racing 1 and all of a sudden you're, you're sitting on the set there. Yeah, that, that that's one really cool thing, mate. About uh, we were, you know, talking before, and I got, I got emotional when we spoke about Merv. But that that was one great thing. He got to see that, yeah. Um, and he got to to watch me on there with Sky One, um, with with Marto and Brass. You know, uh, people that we'd watched in that lounge room together. You know, at Merv's place. So that was a really uh, beautiful experience. Yeah, one of the best experiences I've ever had, mate. And I actually put it up on the tw- Twitter. So. At the time, um, I'm doing Sky One with Brass and Marto, and I remember I took a big multi one day, and I was down at Manly, and I, I jagged the multi, and I think I won about four, four and a half, five thousand, which at the time was one of the biggest wins I've ever had, and still is. And I, um, what happened was I had always dreamed of going to Hong Kong and going to the Hong Kong races, and Rob Hurst was the boss at the time at Sky, and I went to Rob Hurst, and I said, listen, mate, I know that Michael Maxworthy's going to Sky, and I spoke. I spoke to Maxie as well, and I said, "Look, I really want to go to to the Hong Kong races. I don't want to, you know, do anything on air. I just want to be, you know, the Maxie's assistant, so to speak. And and I'm happy to um, pay my own way. I'll pay my own flights because the Hong Kong Jockey Club with the media, they will put the media up when when you go over. And uh, I said, look, if you just write me a letter to say that I'm Maxie's assistant uh, and, you know, the, hopefully the, my media pass gets approved and, uh, as I said, it'll be no cost to Sky. So he did that for me. He didn't need to. He could have said get stuffed. He did that yeah. for me. And I then went over with Maxie and, and was Maxie's assistant for the, for the week and it was an amazing experience. And I'll never forget on the Sunday, we were, we were on the bus together and we're all suited up. And I was kind of like the cameraman for Maxie. We were using this new technology, and Maxie said on the bus, he goes, uh, Stano, um, I'd like you to do the intro with me today. And I went, what do you mean, do the intro? What are you talking about? I thought, are you still buckled from the night before? <laughs> and he said, no, no, I want you to do the intro. And, uh, yeah, I was I stood in the mounting yard with Maxie, and we recorded this intro, uh, which was played out on Sky One. Um, and it was me standing in the mounting yard with Michael Maxwell talking about these international races, and and mate, at the time Merv was really crook uh, in hospital. He'd had a big um, big skin cancer cut out, or a big tumor cut out of the side of his um, the side of his head, and um, he got to see that. And I remember as a kid, we'd always I'd always talk about going to Hong Kong, and I was going to do this and do that, and. He got to see that, mate, and that yeah. probably is. I've done some pretty cool things with you and radio, but out, out of everything, that would be one of the most 
um, you know, amazing things I've ever done because he got to see it and and I achieved it. So, how fantastic yeah. is that? Well, you talk about highlights like that. That one's right up there. Is there any others that that spring to mind? Yeah, mate. Uh, sitting beside Brass and Marto for all of those Winx wins uh, yeah. because I was lucky enough to be there. I mean. The day she obviously won that last Queen Elizabeth was incredible. Like to, to look across and see Brass with a bit of a tear in his eye, um, oh, that was that was pretty that was pretty goosebumps. And 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 to work those big Melbourne Cups and you know um, the day Michelle Payne won that Melbourne Cup to to experience that because it was just so like what's just happened, um, you know that the, the rise of the Everest and the rise of the Carnival in New South Wales with the championships to sort of be, you know, at the start of that and follow that all through. And and then probably to, to get a Guernsey with that big sports breakfast, mate, because that sort of started, that started off the big sports breakfast journey. There was something, you know, I think Munns was, was crook or something something happened and they, they needed someone to jump on with Slats and TK and do the little tab segment. And I jumped on and did that and there was that the day the day after I went to the dentist, which was you know became a bit of a highlight with a lot of the big sports breakfast. <laughs> That's actually there's a text on the text line about that. That day you saw the you saw the dentist uh, the day before the BSB, and you were still a bit numb, and you're under some duress, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I woke up. <laughs> I woke up in the morning, and I still it was still an improvement. The, some say. Yeah, yeah. I still had the <laughs> the stuff in the what do you call it? Where they needled in the back because I've got a real bad phobia of dentists and needles. And anyway. Um, I woke up and I spoke to the missus and said, I can't go to work. And she just started laughing and said, you'll be sweet. So she even she was laughing at, you know, what, <laughs> six in the morning. And then I drove into work and I spoke and they sort of, they, everyone just kept laughing and they said, please just go on. And then I did it and, yeah, the, the rest is history. But, I mean, to get that opportunity to do that and then obviously, you know, then Laurie came along and it was TK and, and we had some fun there. And what what happened is a little two-minute segment then turned into, like, two two-minute segments and then they start sending me places and then TK left the business and then they said, right, Dave, you're in that chair and next minute I'm now in that other chair that you're in. Like, it's just, it's it's hard to, to sort of fathom when you reflect on on where it's sort of un, unfolded, but um, it's bloody exciting when you when you think about it, like that, that it's even eventuated and it just means that anything's possible, really. And it is great to reflect too, mate. Um, it's nice to look back and remember where you've come from. And fortunately for TV viewers, you made that transition <laughs> off the television. We got your mug off there and we now hear you on the radio. How has that been? Uh, and how much are you enjoying hosting Racing HQ on Sky Sports Radio? Yeah, I absolutely love it, mate. And I hope that people can feel that too when they listen. Um, one thing I love about radio is that and uh, I, I think you've even said this to me before we've had conversations, the immediacy of it in terms of, like, there's someone that's just texting in to you yeah, exactly. about the, the dentist and it's thinking, you know, people are out there listening and, and they can communicate with us, you know, on that real time. Um, you know, if, if later on in the show today there's some breaking news about something, I know that, you know, you've got, you know, Tanya and Boydo there at the moment and they can ring people and you can you can just, things can happen, whereas in TV world, there's obviously a different protocol and procedures and things don't probably happen as quickly. And um, I just love the medium, mate. It's the best opportunity I've ever had. It was bloody daunting, though. I mean, you've got yeah. a bloke like Andrew Bensley, who, you know, I grew up listening to, have known um, for years. He leaves the business and they say, here you go, Dave, catch the ball. 
Um, and you've got a lot, a lot of people around in the, in the game, not only listeners, but also people who in, in you know, the racing industry who are very loyal to Andrew. And, you know, naturally anyone that replaces anyone, you, you know, you're not, not an enemy, but you're like, oh, what, it's different. And people are like, oh, what's, what's all this about? Oh, do we like this? So, um, my, my philosophy was with it that I just wanted it to, to be entertaining, but I didn't want to be Andrew. Andrew, no one will ever be Andrew Bensley, and no one should be because he's the newsman, he's the main man when it comes to racing. But what I wanted it to be was, um, was I wanted to be the Dave Stanley Racing HQ, where it was, you know, you still got your news, but you got that from your Ray Thomases, uh, your Chris Roots, your Matt Joneses, your Richard Callens, all your, your journos. Um, and I was sort of just like the, I steered you through and, and hopefully put a smile on your dial. And obviously it coincided with COVID and some bad things happening in the world. So I hope we've, I hope we've done a good job. It's been organic, mate. You've been your own person and that's what, what's been fantastic. I, I think that the brand you've, you've brought to people is, um, is a fun style. Um, and it's been great fun working with you this year. You've got an exciting 12 months ahead next year. You get married. And uh, she's going to lock you up, son. Uh, and we probably won't see you again uh, after that. But uh, are you looking forward to to the next year on air, and also uh, exciting in your personal life, no doubt as well? Yeah, I can't wait, mate. Um, and I mean, the, the the best thing about it is that uh, with with what we've got planned for next year is that I mean, I've got a real love for country racing, and I know you do too. And I think that's partly too from where we've come from. Um, you know, we, we've we haven't just sort of, you know, been silver spooned into into life. Um, and I really resonate with with country people, and, and uh, I know, as I said, that you do too. And I mean, I think I looked at our calendar for January. We're going to the Sapphire Coast. We're going to Coffs Harbour. We're going to be in Cowra. Uh, that's just the first month of the year. Uh, then we'll roll into all the country championships. And don't get me wrong, we'll still talk to you know all the the, the main players when it comes to the city racing, but. Um, I really want to, you know, even amplify it even more. All those good stories, all those good towns, um, and and have some fun. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the marriage. I mean, mate, that's that'll be enormous. Your mate, you're one of the groomsmen, so you yeah. better have, uh, you better produce on the wedding night. Surely, surely, surely. Mate, you'll be gone soon too. I know yeah. you say you won't be. I know you say you won't be, but I'm telling you right now. I saw, I saw. How about this, punters? Hey, you know what? Actually, don't make me fade you because guess what? The roles are reversed today. You're not interviewing me. I'm I'm interviewing you, so you can't sit there and throw chat. No, no. I just saw you running around three, four years ago. You were running around (laughs) before Singapore down in Coogee. Travelling, you know, you'd, you'd had more, you had more in work than James Gunn and Godolphin. <laughs> now you're at the Christmas carols on Saturday night. I uh, was with Alicia. You're, Saturdays you're have gone, changed, mate. mate. You're gone. <laughs> Saturdays have changed, haven't they, <laughs> mate? It's been a real pl- uh, privilege uh, working with you this year. Congratulations on everything you've achieved on raising H- HQ. I-, I wish you a great Christmas and New Year. And I know you got a bit emotional during the interview, but I don't regret that we went there, mate, because that's the sort of person you are. You've got a big heart. And it was special to hear you talk about Merv in that way and, and also your own life. So it's been a lot of fun this morning. Thanks, mate. Before I go, just one thing. And I, I never um, used to believe in anything like that. Uh, but the day that he passed, there was a horse that he had a small share in called Mason's Chance. Yeah. And it won the last race at Rockhampton. And... I never used to believe any of that stuff, but that day it was a leader's paradise. You couldn't make ground, and this thing came from last and got up on the line in a photo finish. So, um, 
make good things happen to, to good people. And, yeah, hopefully that hopefully you can understand a little bit why I am the way I am with, uh, with how it's unfolded. Mate, we didn't even talk about any sick beats or anything like that. I know Joey Cleary was hoping. I, I know he was. Well, I'll tell you what, since you brought it up, um, we're, we're eating into the whip around a little bit, but I'm sure our listeners won't mind because they'd probably enjoy hearing you under a bit of pain. Is there, is there one that really cuts deep? Have oh, you got mate. one for us? Mate, well, the, the year that... Uh, the, I remember I had a big bet as a kid on... Um, and when I say kid, I, I was a uh, legal age of having a bet. Um, Eskimo <laughs> Queen, Eskimo Queen. When Childs fell off down the back there at Eagle Farm, that one will always cut deep. Um, there was another one, mate. It happens every day. Yeah, every day, does, mate. I'll be three back the pegs every day. <laughs> I'll back the horse that's drawn barrier one that gets loaded early, and then the three to one shot wants to play up on you know gate twelve, and and then it misses the kick. <laughs> every day I'll be on the leader that I've chimed in at 380 and SPs at twos, and then the 101 shot just wants to carve it up the whole way. Um, Where's that violin music, Grant? Have mate, you got it there? <laughs> every day, every day. Or I'll back something at threes and it drifts out to... Yeah, mate, I'm telling you. It, but, but you know what? You know you stick for the game when it happens to you every day. I know. You get absolutely, you know Best what, game in the you world. line mate. up again. You line up again. Best game in the world, isn't it? And we're so lucky that we can uh, forge a career in it, mate. It's been so much fun having you on. Thanks for your time. Enjoy your holiday. And thanks for being my guest on today's Monday's Experts. Cheers, mate. Love you. And I'll uh, see you next year.